Welcome to the Morning a Ritual podcast, meditations and conversations to set the tone for your day. I'm your host, Lily Balch. Polly Siegel is our guest today. She is the co-host of the hilarious and super insightful podcast, Shit Talking Shrinks. Polly is a licensed clinical social worker, certified addiction specialist, and a master level trained mindfulness instructor. So let's give a warm, warm welcome to Paulina. Paulina? Polly? What do you prefer? You know, I have half the people in my life call me Polly and the other half call me Paulina. So I'm equally okay with either. Okay, cool. Cool. So I love your podcast that you co-host with Victoria, you shit-talking shrinks. And for our listeners, that is how we actually met. I was a guest on their podcast and I just had so much fun chatting. And at the same time, these ladies do such a great job of addressing really important mental health topics while keeping it funny and light, yet informative and real all at the same time. So yeah, thanks for doing what you do. Thank you. And I'm going to, I'm going to use, you're going to smile when I say this, but your compliments are boosting my ego. Oh, oh shit. appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, great segue. Yeah. Today I want to talk about ego. I want to get to the root of like what it is, what it is not. Are we supposed to be transcending our ego? Are we supposed to be shedding our ego? Polly, can you can you just like break down what ego is for us? Yeah, I mean, ego's been studied in the psychological clinical world forever. I mean, classically Sigmund Freud, right? It was part of one of the the states that that our mind gets into. And I, and I would say that the definition varies depending on who you're talking about or to who you're talking to or the different modalities or frameworks. You know, the way that I personally like to understand ego is that it's the mediation between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And it's really responsible for our sense of personal identity. Like it's our connection to self, our personality, our attributes, um, our value system, the orientation in which how we view the world. And so it's the blending and the the connection between consciously how we orient, but then subconsciously the programming that we've developed throughout our childhood and adolescence. And then that's essentially ego. Now, people might disagree with that definition, but that's how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying ego isn't inherently good or bad, it's just a part of our psyche and we can learn how to work with it. Is that right? Well, yeah. I, I, when I think about ego, like it, it's gotten a bad rep. Like people will be like, oh, check your ego at the door. Like, you know, no, notice your fucking ego in this situation. <laughs> like we, we kind of view it as like the, the monster. I don't know if I necessarily view it as, as a monster. I think it can have implications. I think it can create problems. I think it can interfere interpersonally as we relate to ourselves, others in the world. But I also think of ego as a form of protection. Like we've needed ego in order to stay safe. And the ego, again, 
it has its implications. I think the flip side of the coin is that it's protective and it allows us to feel safe and it allows us to feel that we are keeping our personal identity in intact. Yeah. Yeah. And I sometimes go into that, like, check your ego at the door kind of thinking, like, F you ego. And it's because it's when I feel like my ego is running the show and I'm in this me, me, me headspace, taking things personally and stuck in my own head, overthinking, maybe entering like people-pleasing territory, you know, acting in ways that are simply not my best and don't help me feel my best. When I'm in that space, I just want to tap into something larger, something different, something out of my own head, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think there really is an ugly side to ego, right? Which is why it's gotten a bad rep and people have a lot of opinions around how to keep it in check or how to monitor it or how to get rid of it. Um, You know, I find that ego is like highly sensitive to rejection, right? Like when we experience interpersonally or just life in general, a a form of dismissal or rejection that bruises the ego, And I find that ego is activated in people that are highly defensive, right? Like defensiveness is something that we talk about all the time in communication. How do you become less defensive? How do you soften? Well, it's really hard to do that when the ego is there to protect you. The ego doesn't want you to feel dismissed or judged or critiqued or um, it's, it's constantly sensing for threat. Yeah. So if you like, it's a threat detector. Yeah. I mean, I can get defensive at times and it doesn't feel good. And I'm wondering like, you know, for our listener listeners, if they're, if they're relating to that, like how can we become less defensive? Yeah. Well, I, when I think about ego, I think it's very, it's made up of parts, you know, it's not this one entity to me. It's, it's part of our, like I said, the mediation between conscious and unconscious or subconscious. And all of our ego has been formed through everything that we've encountered throughout our lives, the adversity that we have faced, the hardships we've gone through. And it it's, it's very tender. And so like when we're interacting with someone or something and it detects threat, it's going to activate because it wants to keep you safe. And I think part of that defensiveness is trying to preserve your wellness. It's trying to preserve you feeling okay and grounded and not put in a position of threat or vulnerability. If you look at it that way, I think we can be tender to that. Like who isn't trying to stay safe? Listen, that's biology. That's evolution. You, your brain's soul, well, primarily the limbic region of the brain's sole purpose is to keep you alive and well. And so I guess, I guess I'm just offering a different perspective. We can judge defensiveness all we want, but really it's just a mechanism to stay safe. Hmm. Yeah. And recognizing that. And I like what you say, being, being tender to yourself in those moments because your, your brain is doing this to protect you you can then make a choice, a different choice. Maybe one where you're like, okay, I recognize 
I'm going to be putting myself out there, or this is a more vulnerable or more difficult thing to do, but I know I'll be okay kind of thing. Like the reassuring of the brain, like I, I am safe. I am okay. And now proceed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you a perfect example, right? Because I love examples. why not bring in our own shit to the conversation, right? That makes it spicy. Yes. Okay. So the other day, a friend gave me feedback and I'm like the feedback queen, you know, like I love when people come to me and say, here's an observation, let's process it together. So this friend came to me and and she shared, I find that sometimes when we're interacting or processing that you're very judgmental. Ooh, like my ego was like, fuck no, bitch. I'm, you know, like, like it, it activated, right? Because you just criticized my character, right? That's how the ego perceived it is you just made a judgment and a label on my character, who I am, my personality at large. And the ego doesn't want that, right? Because anything that could be anything that could isolate me from community, the brain's going to naturally be like, "Uh uh-oh. Does that make sense? I see. I really am viewing this through an evolutionary standpoint. We needed community to thrive. The the larger amount of members of our tribe we had, the better we were in surviving. So if you're telling me I'm judgmental, well, that could be isolating. Yeah. Right. That could ostracize me if that's how you perceive me. And so immediately I noticed ego wanting to get defensive and dismantle what she said and provide all this evidence as to why what she said is wrong. And here's the flow chart and the pie charts of why. Okay. Yeah. In that moment. Sorry. Did you see how activated I got? I was going to the pie charts. (laughs) Like, wow, we got, we got different charts going on. We're getting, we're getting funky with the pie charts. And it was like that moment, right, is is where I could be tender. Okay, I'm detecting threat. Okay, she just gave feedback that's heavy. No one wants to be called judgmental. Can I recognize, okay, my brain wants to keep me safe. My brain wants to make sure that I maintain connection because she's part of my tribe. Okay, brain, like I get it. Yeah, that seemed a little scary. But let's 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 get grounded that nothing is you're not a real threat. Her providing that feedback is actually an attempt to strengthen or deepen your connection. Her ability to be authentic in a moment to say, hey, dude, sometimes you're judgmental and I don't like it. That's an opportunity for repair. So I could tell my brain, I know you perceive this as threat, but rest assured we are okay. And you can open up to that feedback and take an introspective look to go, hmm, if I stepped into her should into her shoes, am I judgmental sometimes? Yeah, she's not wrong. Hmm. So I think I don't know if I'm even remotely answering what you just said a few moments ago, but I think it's providing reassurance to the ego that we are OK and we are safe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure what I said a few moments ago, but, but I, I loved that example and, and could totally relate. And if a friend of mine said, um, God, you can be so judgmental, I would have, yeah, such a reaction to that as well. And what I'm hearing is that if you can catch that reaction and, and, and let it just be there for a moment, sit with all the visceral Mm -hmm. emotion 
that you're feeling in that moment and remind yourself, I am, I'm safe right now. And, and, and this is her, she has, this is her opinion and this is, she's voicing it for a reason. And if we want to strengthen this friendship, okay, why don't we open up this can of worms and, and dissect it from a place of openness rather than just shutting down? I mean, I feel on a very, very physical level when I get defensive, it's a very clear shutting down. It's a very clear shutting off, a, a constriction, and, and I can't see clearly. Um, and, and I think this is really wonderful advice for any relationship. I don't ever want to shut down. And, and get into that defensive mode. Of course it happens, but yeah, reminding yourself, okay, maybe that hurt. Maybe that was hard to hear, but there's still a way forward. Um, it's, it's nice to like hear your example of that. Yeah. And so what happened from there? <laughs> well, you know, that was the moment where I had to check my ego. And, and I said to her, I said, let me pause. I'm feeling threatened. My brain is perceiving this as a critique of my of my character. That's how I'm perceiving this. Now you have every right to share how you feel because your feelings matter in our relationship. And my brain is still perceiving this as threat. So like if I pause for a second and I step into your shoes, I can understand why you would perceive me that way based on our recent encounters and I understand that this is also an attempt to reconnect with me. Mm. By providing that feedback, you want to strengthen our relationship. Yeah, otherwise she because wouldn't if say you, that. Right. She wouldn't give me the feedback if I didn't fucking matter to her, right? <laughs> yeah. Feedback's a gift. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think at first I handled it a little bit like a jackass. And then, you know, I softened and I was like, all right, we're okay here. Mm. What what can I do to show up differently for you? Hmm. Yeah. Like how how do I show up in a way that's going to allow you to feel safe? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, okay, I want to segue into this. I've heard um I've heard before. Someone told me that your ego is what keeps you from meditating, from going back to the cushion and meditating every day from doing things that you know are like really good for you and connecting you to something sort of larger than yourself. Um, would you agree with that statement or do you think, do you think maybe that's not the case? Okay. So let me make sure I'm tracking. The statement is ego stops you from being able to deepen your self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, I've had phases where I just don't want to meditate. I don't want to sit. Maybe I don't want to sit with the discomfort that I'm feeling. I know it's good for me. I know I should, but I'll find all the excuses to not sit still. So I, I think what she's saying is the ego stops us from being able or being open to connect with maybe the pain or the discomfort that we're feeling right well ego wants safety so if we're viewing it from that standpoint then sure perhaps if i don't want to sit with the betrayal i feel or i don't want to sit with the sadness or anxiety and my ego steps in to go no no let's focus on other shit yeah 
perhaps, perhaps that would be ego, but I think it's how you define it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Okay. Shifting gears a bit. Cause I, I want to know more about you. I want to know what's currently going on in your world, right? What's exciting you? What are you learning? Yeah. What's going on? Well, I'm in a very interesting spot in my life right now, to be honest, because I was in a long-term partnership and that ended in April. So it hasn't been that long. And I've been- Oh my gosh, that's not long at all. No, I am freshly single. So slide into my DMs. Wow. Hit her up. Or slide into Lily's DMs and then she'll forward the message. Um <laughs> been in a lot of like transformation. Like I've been forced into looking at all of these parts of myself. I've maybe done a lot of ego checking around these dysfunctional parts of myself that need to be addressed in order to cultivate a new relationship at some point. And so I've been just in this like intense growth period right now. Hmm. Like, and I don't even say that in like a corny way where it's like, I'm growing and changing and transforming. Like I was forced into it, you know? Yeah. And the growing pains? They're not even that painful. It's like actually been really cool. Oh, good. Yeah. I've been working with a divine feminine coach. Like the, that that whole shit was super woo-woo to me until I took a hard look at myself and I was like, whoa, I've got wounded masculine and wounded feminine energy. Like I'm fucked if I don't address this. Hmm divine feminine coaching. God, I want that. I swear, Lily, this has been the coolest work I've ever done. And I'm like the therapeutic queen because being a therapist, you're, you got to do the self-work. But this whole realm of wounded feminine energy versus wounded masculine versus divine feminine energy versus divine masculine energy it's just a new way to look at yourself in and interpersonally. Mm. Okay. So you're talking about like tapping into the feminine within you and the masculine within you and getting to know that. Like, what is that process like? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of the reasons why I love meditation is because I feel like it stretches time. So many of us, me included, wish that we had more time in the day. We can feel like we don't have enough time to do all the things we want to do. And one of the best ways to manage our time is to get super clear on what's truly important and make that a priority. I've found therapy to be a super helpful way to define my values and set boundaries. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, super convenient, and you get matched with a therapist to meet your specific wants and needs. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash morning ritual to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash morning ritual. The Morning Ritual is sponsored by Factor. Factor's ready-to-eat meals make eating healthier so much easier. These meals are chef-made, they're dietitian approved and delivered right to your door. 
With Factor, you have over 35 different options a week to choose from. There's no prep, there's no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Just head to factormeals.com TMR50 and use code TMR50 to get 50% off. That's code TMR50 at factormeals.com slash TMR50 to get 50% off. The Morning Ritual is sponsored by Recess Mood. One healthier alternative to alcohol after a stressful day is Recess Mood. So Recess Mood is a sparkling water and it's infused with functional ingredients like magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Podcast listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash TMR. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and it comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. With only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's a guilt-free way to unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash TMR and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Yeah, it's like exploring, okay, how do I identify when it, how do I self-identify feminine energy? Like, I'll ask you, when you think about being feminine, what does that mean to you, Lily? Okay. Um, my mind goes to this, like, softer, sensual, flowy, like, warm and sensitive. Yeah. Like, soft, tender, maybe nurturing compassionate, gentle, open, being in a receiving state, that would all be qualities of divine feminine energy. And divine feminine energy also is fierce. We don't think of it that way. You can be very embodied in divine fem energy, but be fierce and have a voice and set boundaries and make sure that your needs are being met. Like both can coexist. Yeah. Yeah, and then masculine, I think of strong and sharp and pragmatic, but am I just falling into this like societal view? What do you think? I mean, I would say that the definitions tend to be a little bit um, gender stereotyped, if I'm being honest, which has its pros and cons, but like, div- like divine masculine energy would be um, like high achieving, action oriented, analytical. Um, There's a lot of, but also very emotionally in tune, right? Because you need to have balance in order to be logical and forceful. You also have to have EQ. Yeah. And when you said with feminine, right, more receptive and open, does that mean the masculine has this providing and giving quality? Yeah. Yeah. It could for sure. And we have both masculine and feminine within us. So you're tapping into those qualities. Right. And and in theory, you want equilibrium. You want just as much divine masculine energy as you want divine feminine energy for inner harmony. For me, I was wounded masculine energy to, to the nth degree. 
And wounded masculine energy can come off as forceful and controlling and calculated and an intensity and uh, rigid, inflexible. That that tends to be more wounded masculine. And I was just kind of leading my life in that way. And I also had wounded feminine energy where I was insecure and anxious and rigid and a control freak like that that also presents. And so there was this battle between the woundedness within me. And now just understanding this, I'm trying every day to practice stepping into both masculine and feminine, but in a divine way. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like really rich work and something something else that was coming up for me this morning when I was thinking about, hmm, what should Polly and I talk about was control. And control has been coming up a lot from me, from my clients, from my girlfriends, from people around me, like this serious need to have everything under control, to have your shit together. And yeah, this fear of letting go of control. And it's interesting to look at, right, through this lens of divine masculine, divine feminine. But I think that a lot of people experience this, this need to have everything under control, this need to control stuff. Otherwise, like the chaos can be really just too hard to face. Yeah. I mean, I think about our episode that we did together, Lily, where decluttering the mind in its own way, maybe that's a form of control. Like, how do I organize the clutter? How do I make sure it has a home and a space and a perfect organization to it? Isn't that just inherently control? Yeah. So what are we supposed to do? Just embrace like the chaos? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's something to embracing messiness because messiness to me doesn't have as much control to it. I don't know. Is there a sense of liberation and freedom and being in messiness? Yeah. Yeah, it can be. Can be. You know, everything has its limits and its parameters, right? Too much of one thing is never good. But I think in moments, maybe the the greatest surrendering happens, which surrendering is inherently not having control, happens in the messiness. Your face is like, Paulina, um, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Is that is that what your face is? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm doing some deep reflection. I'm thinking about like where in my life can I surrender and can I soften a little bit more? And okay, let's take career stuff. I get excited by all the things that I want to do and I forge ahead with all that excitement. And then the fear creeps in. Am I actually capable of doing the things that I want to do and then I tighten and I control even more and push myself when in reality I could likely soften and trust and yeah and that brings me to imposter syndrome can we talk about imposter syndrome I knew you were gonna say that that was so weird I was like she's gonna ask about imposter syndrome I can feel it (laughs) yeah because what's that about when we feel like who am I to be doing this? Do you ever get that as a therapist? I mean, I might be a bit narcissistic if I answer do this it. question. Do it. You don't ever feel that. 
okay, I, let's, I don't want to say ever, right? Because that would be extreme. Do I personally struggle with imposter syndrome? No, I don't. Okay, so when I used to speak, I used to do a presentation on millennials and I was teaching other mental health professionals how to work with millennials using a generational specific model. And I would travel all around the United States giving this presentations to other clinicians. And this was prior to the pandemic. And there were moments where I'd be like, holy shit, like this audience member wrote a book and they came to listen to me? Oh, shit. I think that's that's a flare of imposter syndrome. Like, what worth and value do I really bring to the table here? So I would say it happened in speaking opportunities. Yeah, but I guess you just you were just you're just confident. You're like, I know what I'm delivering. I know what I'm delivering is important and and just move forward with that. Yeah, yeah, I would say. So maybe the question is, is how do you not have imposter syndrome? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's be (laughs) Let's let's be productive here. <laughs> How do you not have imposter syndrome? I think for me, it's I'm very conscientious of the storytelling and the narratives my brain tells me. I'm like highly aware. Like the story of why would this woman who's a New York Times best author want to see me? Like that's a story. That's a narrative my brain is made up. Clearly because the woman's sitting there in the audience. She didn't have to come to my presentation. She decided to show up and take time out of her day. So it's like noticing the storytelling around your worth, your value, your importance, your credibility, your the assets that you bring to a certain situation, and like noticing them as just, they're just words, sentences in your brain. That's it. So you're not believing all the stories? No. And in fact, when I have a story appear, I'm like, Oh, that's cute, brain. Thanks. That's helpful. Not. Yeah. Okay, so listeners, this is huge. Observing the mind without judgment and without attaching to the stories. Right? We do this when we're practicing in meditation, but here's such a prime example of doing this in day-to-day life, right? Not in the formal meditation practice. You don't have to believe all the things that you're telling yourself. And you can sometimes even laugh at the stories that you're creating. And Polly, in your example of rooting yourself into the present, look, this lady's sitting right there in front of me. That's fact. Looking at the facts. I'm standing here right now on this stage. She's sitting there in that chair. And that's all that's happening. Yeah. And I I like how you said it. There's stories. And then there's fact. The story is I'm not good enough to be presenting to this woman. I'm not valuable enough to be presenting to this woman who has sold millions of books. That's the story. But the fact is, is she decided to take time out of her day and show up to my presentation. Those are two different realities. Or I hear a lot of imposter syndrome when someone gets hired. Like, I really, I'm underqualified. I shouldn't be in this position. Why would they trust me to take on this role? It's like, well, the fact is, is that they do trust you to take on this role. They decided to hire you. They they didn't have to do that. They could have hired someone else. Okay, but circling back, like, ego. Is Mm. this your ego just trying to keep you safe? That's fascinating. Is it the ego trying to keep you safe? 
Well, in some form, isn't imposter syndrome tearing us down? Like the whole premise of it is to tell you that you're not smart enough, good enough, capable enough, competent enough, skilled enough. Yeah, like stay in your tiny little box. Stay. And well, then perhaps that is safety. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. Okay. Shifting gears, I like to end our interview episodes with some rapid fire questions. So are you ready for some rapid fire questions? I'm ready. Are you going to ask my favorite sex position? Because I'm prepared with an answer. Oh, now I want to (laughs) know. Well, let's see. It's doggy style. Um, Is it? Okay. All right. Then I don't don't need to ask it. Thank thank you so much for sharing. Um, (laughs) My first question. Let's see. Let's see. I, you know, I don't want to keep asking the same rapid fire questions, but I do like to know this first one. What do you do for fun? Um, what do I do for fun? Travel is huge for me, like being in different atmospheres and environments and cultures and being able to have access to different people is very important to me. Hmm. So when I think of fun, it's planning an awesome trip, whether that's domestic or international. Um, I love hiking. I love biking. Um, you know, meditation to me is fun. I don't know. Most people wouldn't resonate with that, but like, it actually brings me a sense of joy to like be in my head or in my body. Hmm. Okay. Second question. Are you a night owl or a morning person? I'm a night owl through and through. Oh, you're a night owl. Okay. Well, I, oh, yeah. I, I am definitely a morning person. I can't like keep my eyes open past 9 45 PM. So what do night owls do? What do you do in the evening? Like what what keeps you up at night? Are you reading? We're vampires. That's really what we are. We're just lurking in the night. Um, we're ladies of the night. Um, well, that's why your podcast is the morning ritual because you're a morning person. Yeah. Someone was like, can you do an evening ritual podcast and you just do evening meditations? And I was like, no, no. <laughs> okay. So what do I do at night? You know what? the nighttime is very peaceful to me. Very, very peaceful. Everything is dark. Things are coming to a, not dark in a heavy negative way, but like outside is dark, right? So you're just like cocooned in some way. I don't know. That's comforting. Like when it's daytime, it's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to explore? What what do I have to conquer? There's no pressure at night. You know, you're just in your place, light some candles I could either read, I could binge watch a TV show, I could take a bath because no one wants to take a bath in the morning. That's just weird. You take baths in the morning? I take baths in the morning. (laughs) Once again, I'm the biggest asshole. I love my morning bath because then you could do a little like massage with some oil, prepare. I'm like prepare, but I wake up really early, so I have, I stretch the morning. So you want to know something funny? I was one time on this medication, and it got me up at the ass crack of dawn. For some reason, this medication had me up at like five a.m. I couldn't have been more anxious because what do you do with all that time? <laughs> it's so peaceful. It's so uncomfortable. Like now my day is 16 hours. I don't want that. That's what my mom says. <laughs> my mom I gets like up shorter at nine. Days. She's like, I don't know. The day would be way too long if I got up before then. And I was like, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Okay. So you're a night owl. Yeah. 
I got a little sneak peek into what Polly does in the evenings. Love it. Relaxing. Um, my next question. What energizes you? Talking to incredibly insightful people. Like, it's so fun. The What makes me so invigorated is in Shit Talking Shrinks is I get to talk to spectacular people that bring insight and magic that I don't have myself. And I get to experience it with them. And it doesn't, you don't even have to be educated or have a niche or a specialty or be, you know, big man on campus. Like I'll talk to the, you know, crack addict at the side of a bus stop. That's invigorating. What did I just learn by talking to someone who lives a completely different lifestyle than I do? Like it doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. just curiosity. Yeah. It's curiosity. What Everyone's got their story. Everyone's got their thing. And just being open and curious and vibing off of that. I agree. It's so energizing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Polly, thank you so much for coming on. And I'm going to include a little link to your podcast in the show notes. Um, how else can we find you? So if you're interested in listening to Shit Talking Shrinks, we're on all the major platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. So just type in Shit Talking Shrinks and we'll pop up. Um, And then we're also on YouTube. So you can find our YouTube channel if you want to watch our episodes instead of listen to them. So that's fun. And I guess we have an Instagram too, Shit Talking Shrinks Podcast. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to pop all that in the show notes below and we'll close off our episode the way that we always do with a deep breath in a long breath out and have a lovely day etsy has it everyone yes it's true Etsy is where style seekers, vintage hunters, longtime renters, and new homeowners alike go to shop for style home decor and gifts from independent sellers. Are you looking for signature jackets, handwoven linens, and personalized jewelry for your wardrobe? Etsy has it. Or maybe some stunning artwork, pillows, and rugs for your home. Etsy has it. How about gifts for any occasion, like handmade throw blankets, mugs, totes, and rings? Yep, Etsy has it. There's so much to discover, and we can't wait for you to find what your style-seeking, home-upgrading, gift-giving heart desires. Whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's serveware and table linens for entertaining, or a handbag and a perfect jacket to make sure you're looking like your best self at any given moment, this is your invitation to find it. Because Etsy has it. Find home, style, and gifts for you for all budgets and any occasion. Etsy has it. Shop Etsy.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Fresh for everyone. 